Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. my favorite verses, Romans chapter 15, verse number 4, you've heard it, you've heard me use it many, many times before, and this is what it says, it says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope, let me ask the question again. What were those things that were written aforetime? The Old Testament Scriptures. When Paul is writing this to the book of Romans, the Gospels have not been written. Very few, at the time that he wrote the book of Romans, very few of the epistles had been written. First and Second Thessalonians had been written, and uh, maybe one or two more. But, but when he wrote the book of Romans, none of these other Scriptures had been written. All they had at the time were the Old Testament Scriptures. So when we read this, it tells us that this Old Testament Scriptures are written there for our learning so that we might learn from those. I hope you have enjoyed the time that we've been going through the the life of David. We learned in the Scriptures that David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, As we found that out, it's a good thing for us to look at his life and to see what he done. We can learn from that. I'll be honest that uh, some of the things that we have found out about David since we've started studying it, though, uh, a lot of people thought David was just a mighty fine saint. He did very few things wrong. They remember the, they'll remember the story about David and Bathsheba. They'll remember that story. But other than that, most people never realized that David was a, a brutal man. I mean, remember when he was living in in uh, the land of the Philistines and in Ziglag. And he would go out and he would go into these cities and his band of soldiers, the 600 men that he had with him, he would go from city to city and kill every person in the city so no one could come out and give a report as to what he was doing. And then he went to the king at the time and lied to him about it. I mean, there was a lot of things we found out about David that were just... I kind of let Susie's image of who David was down. She said, I thought he was better than that. <laughs> I just, you know, but we find some of these things out when we go back and look in the Scriptures. Tonight, listen, we're going to begin. We're going to begin in Second Samuel. Uh, and if you'll remember, we, I mentioned the last Sunday night that we're going to get into the part where David is now king over Jerusalem. He has came and he's taken and he set up that city and he's called it the city of Zion. He has decided now to take the Ark of the Covenant, which is not in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, it's at, uh, we'll look at his house in a minute. It's uh, Abinadad's house. That's where it's at. And David being a man of God, he does. He says, I want the Ark of the Covenant to be in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, it tells us that that David builds a tent for the Ark of the Covenant to be brought to. So let's look at the event that takes place here 
in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. We'll start there at the beginning of chapter 6. And what we're going to have to do tonight, when we see what happens, we're going to have to back up. I want you to know that the Ark of the Covenant is not just a piece of furniture. All right? It's not something that you just walk up to and put your hands on or spray a little pledge on it and wipe it down. The Ark of the Covenant represents to the Israelites the very presence of God. So we need to understand, this is something that God has, He told them exactly how to fix it or how to build it. He told them exactly the dimensions. This was something that was special to God. He has agreed that I will allow my presence to be uh, given there. It will be an example to the Israelites that this is my presence. So let's look at this and, and see what it says here in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David rose and he went with all of the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God whose, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. Now the cherubims are two angels that are set, that set on top of the ark of the covenant. Uh, their wings, if you, if you read the description of it, uh, the wings overshadowed that ark, and when they brought in the blood sacrifices into the Holy of Holies, they would sprinkle the blood between those cherubims, and that was the blood that represented for the sins of the nation of Israel, and it covered them for a year at a time. So that's what he's talking about, uh, that dwelt between the cherubims. All right. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadad, uh, which was in Gibeah and Uzziah and Ohio. I want to say Ohio. That may be even closer. The son of Abinadad drove the new cart. Now, we're fixing to have to back up in a minute, and what you're going to see that this Abinadad is where the Ark of the Covenant was left years prior to this. Okay? So we're going to back up in a minute. But let's continue this. David has gone to get the, the Ark of the Covenant. He's placed it on this new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was at Gibal, accompanied, accompanying the Ark of the Covenant. And Ohio went before the Ark. And David and all of the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and of palm trees and of tim, uh, timbrels and of cornets and of cymbals. And when they came to uh, Nacron's threshing floor, Uzziah put forth his hand to the ark of God, and he took hold of it, for the ark, sh- for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzziah, and the Lord smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased before the Lord, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzziah, and he called the name of the place... Uh, Perizziah, to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord upon him unto the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed the Gittite. Okay, now did we we understand what just took place? David wants to bring the, the ark of the covenant unto Jerusalem. He wants to bring it to the city of David, to Jerusalem. 
So he goes and he gets a brand new cart. Nothing's ever been carried on it. He sets that Ark of the Covenant up uh, up there. You know, what What I don't know is how he got it up there. You know, because this one guy, Uzziah, reaches out and touches it, and when he touches the Ark, God strikes him dead because that's not the way it was supposed to be done. So we see that. Don't understand how they got it on the cart. Maybe they done it the way they were supposed to. Maybe they done it with the poles. The Bible tells us that the Ark of the Covenant had had places where these poles went through and they carried the Ark of the Covenant. But so what we see here, I want you to notice, it says, and David was displeased with God. Hmm. David was displeased with the Lord because he had struck Uzziah. I want you to know David thought he was doing a good thing. In David's heart, he was sincerely doing what he thought was the right thing. I mean, he made a big deal. Not only did he have a brand new cart, but he had a band proceeding the, the, the Ark and the Covenant coming to day. I mean, there was, it says there, it was psalms, trees, and, and, and music, and cymbals, uh, and, and flutes, and all kinds of musical instruments. I mean, he was making this a great celebration. I want you to know he was sincere in what he was doing. But the question is this. Was he doing it the way God had called the people of Israel to move that cart? That's the question. Okay, well, how are we going to find that answer? Well, we have to, you have to do a little research and you have to do a little digging. And this is what I found. In Numbers, in Numbers chapter 4 and verse 4, if you want to turn there, I'll give you just a second to get there. In Numbers chapter 4 and verse 4, when they have just got through building this Ark of the Covenant, God gives them commands, and He gives them the exact name of the people who are supposed to move this Ark. Okay? He, he gives them the name. Only these people are allowed to move it. This is how they're supposed to move it. This is what they're supposed to do before they move it. I just found this very interesting. So in Numbers chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, This shall be the service of the sons of Kohath. Now, Kohath is a Levite. The Levites are to be the ones responsible for the temple and all the things, or the tabernacle and everything that goes with it. But not only was it the Levites, but it was this family of the Levites and it says, the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation about the holy things. And when the camp setteth forward, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it, and shall put thereon the covering of the badger skins, and shall spread over it a cloth holy of blue, and put in the staves thereon. Wow! This is what God said you do. When that Ark of the Covenant is to be moved, you know the veil of the temple? And you heard us talk about that. When Jesus was crucified, the veil of the temple that was rent from the top to the bottom. When you move the Ark of the Covenant, you take the veil of the temple and you take it and you wrap the Ark of the Covenant with that veil. And when you get through wrapping the Ark of the Covenant in that veil, then you take the badger skins which are blue, and if you read where they built the, the, uh, the tabernacle, you're going to read about those badger skins, and then you're to lay those badger skins 
over the veil. Now, those badger skins were very, very water-resistant. That was one of the things that they done. But then it goes on to say, and when you do that, then you stay, take the staves and you run them through those holes that were described on each side of that Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant is not to be bore on a cart, but the Ark of the Covenant is to be bore on the shoulders of those men. All right? Now, we're not going to take the time to read all the rest of that, but all of the, the Levites that were responsible for moving the tabernacle, every single family responsible for moving the tabernacle were given a brand new cart to move all of the other pieces. But the Ark of the Covenant was to be moved by men. And it identified exactly which men. Look down in, in verse 15. This is Numbers 4 and 15. And it says, And when Aaron and his son had made an end of covering the sanctuary and all of the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is to set forward, in other words, when they were to move, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing. Listen to what it says if they touch it. Lest they die. Now listen, what did it call that Ark of the Covenant? Holy. This is a separated part. These things are to be the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. God identifies how it is to be moved. He identifies uh, who is supposed to move it. And He identifies the consequences behind what happens. I I want us to make sure that we understand tonight in all of this that's taking place, I want you to know David's got the right intention. Okay? He's got the right intention. He wants the Ark of the Covenant or what represents the presence of God to the Israelites. He wants it right there next to where he's living so he can go and he inquire of the Lord. That He has got the right intentions. But the, where he fails in before he acts, he fails to get the guidance from the Lord. How many times in our life have we stepped forward with the right intentions, totally sincere and doing the right thing, and us not inquire of the Lord? And where, where does it find us most of the time? We've made the wrong decision, no matter how sincere we are, no matter how right we think we are. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in the world today that think they're right in the way they worship God and who they, how they claim to become saved. I want you to know the Bible tells us there is no one, no one comes unto the Father but by me. I, I want you to know this, this idea today that God is on top of a mountain and you can get to Him in any avenue or any direction that you want to go. And, and we were. Me and Chad was talking about this, this in our office a little earlier. Do you know some of the people where they talk about our missionaries going into foreign countries... They tell him, he said, now listen, you want to win the people over to you. So when you go into their village, you just address our God as Allah. And that way, they'll, we'll be talking about the same one. Uh, I hate to tell you that, that you might be sincere in calling our God Allah. Let me tell you, when you cry out and you pray and you say, oh, great Allah. I'm telling you, God's not listening. That's not his name. All right? God tells us there is one way to me, and that is through my Son, Jesus Christ. You can be sincere, you can go through all kinds of rituals, but when you try to reach God and when you try to have a relationship with Him,
The Bible tells us that relationship is only through Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on the cross for, his, for our sins. And I want you to know God would not have sent His Son if there was any other way. What did, what did Jesus say in the garden? Father, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me. We'll do it another way. Maybe they can work. Maybe if they, can, they attend 95% of the church services. If they go to Sunday school and church, maybe we can let them in then. And God the Father said, Son, there's only one way. And that's if you're willing to give and give your life for their sins. That was the cup. That was the cup. So I want you to know, in the day that God set up this relationship with him through this ark, we need to understand how important this ark is. A lot of people just think that this ark was a piece of furniture. It represented even more than that. It represented the very presence of God. Let me show you how important it is. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. And I'm sure you've heard these events that have taken place. I'm, some of this is just going to be a refresher for some of us. The Israelites had fallen away from God. They didn't have a relationship. Well, excuse me. Didn't have a relationship with God. They had been serving idols. And God sent the Philistines to judge the nation of Israel. They go out, and they're going to go fight the Philistines. They go out and fight the Philistines, and the Philistines defeat them. So the next day they said this, okay, we're going to go fight them again tomorrow. But tomorrow when we go, God will not let us be defeated if we take the Ark of the Covenant with us. So they took that Ark of the Covenant, and they put it on their shoulders, and when they went into battle this time, I want you to know, just because you carry a Bible in your back pocket, don't make God with you. That's what they were doing. They were using this, hey, we're going to take our good luck charm with us and see if they can beat us this time. Well, let me tell you, the Philistines beat them again, and this time the Philistines took their ark. They said, hey, we're going to take their God, and we're going to claim that God. So look with me in, uh, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 10, and it says this, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his own tent. And there was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and then the two sons of Eli, these two guys, were slain. And that's part of another story. So, so now the Philistines have got this ark. All right? Well, the Philistines, they, they, they think they've got something. Look what it says in chapter 5 of that First Samuel. It says in the Philistines, verse 1, And the Philistines took the ark of, the, of God, and they brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought into it the house of Dagon, and set it by Dagon. Now, we're not going to read all these events. We don't have time. But they brought it into the house where they kept their God. Okay? Their God is a statue with his hands out like this. They come in there the next morning, and what? guess what old Dagon, that old iron statue that they had when they brought it in the present okay so Dagon he fell down and when they walked in their God was fell out prostrate or on the ground before the ark of God so they said oh I wonder what happened here now that's kind of reading between the lines I don't know if they said it or not but they set him back up they come back in the next morning and the next morning when they come back in he had fell over again and his hands and his head was broken off. And they kind of got the idea, said, hey, uh, there may be something to this ark 
of God. So when the next thing we read, look in verse 6 of chapter 5. Well, I just explained that. The hands of the Lord was heavy upon the Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emrods, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us, uh, day God our God. Now, this is what was happening. Now, I'm not going to translate. Well, I guess I am going to kind of translate, but I'm not going to go into any detail. What was happening, the people in that city, some of them began to die, and the ones that didn't die, they had emrods. And does anybody know what emrods are? I see a few heads. Hemorrhoids. And now I know some people don't even know what hemorrhoids are, but I'm not fixing to explain that. All right? But listen. There was a breakout. People were dying, and everybody else in the city were getting a bad case of hemorrhoids, and they knew where it was coming from. It was because they had taken Israel's God. So you know what they done? They said, get this out of town. So they took it up, they put it on a cart, they moved it down the road to a place called Ekron. Look in verse number 10. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron, and it came to pass as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought the ark of God of Israel to us to slay us and our people. Same thing happened. People in Ekron started dying. The people that didn't die got a bad case of the uh, 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 emrods. That's what I'm going to call it. So then they decided, they said, hey, look, they called the leaders of the Philistines together and said, what are we going to do with this ark of God? Everywhere it goes, it destroys and it kills. So in the process, and, and, and if you do a study, you can find out some of it, it was saying that many of them were dying. Well, when you see the offerings that the Philistines put with this ark when they send it back, they made images or golden mice, and they also made emrods of gold, which represents what plague was being put on them. Now, if you do the study, most people believe that the reason they made the mice was that mice were carrying a disease and biting the people, and that's the reason the people were dying. So when you see this, the Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant for seven months. And they said, we got to get rid of this thing. All right? So they too. And I, I encourage you to read these few chapters right here. I don't have time to describe what the Philistines done to get rid of this Ark. But they had a way of proving that this Ark belonged, or this, yeah, this Ark belonged to God and they had it set with two cows that had calves, and the two cows left the calves behind, and they headed back to Israel with this ark. I mean, it's just a very interesting story. So notice what he done, though. But they, they wind up taking the ark and, and bringing it back. That is uh, chapter 6. Uh, look in verse 11, and it says, And they laid the ark, chapter 6, And they laid the ark of the Lord upon a cart, and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds and brought it back. So, uh, I want you to know how important this ark is. Now, now I'm not, I'm telling you, 
what is written way back here in 1 Samuel that happened some 3,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago. Listen, not 35, it's about 3,000, 2,500 years ago. I, I want you to know, this applies to us in 2016. And the reason I say it applies to us in 2016 is when we look at this, the importance of the relationship God had set through this ark to the Israelites, the same importance applies with Jesus Christ that God has set before us. Our relationship with God is totally and completely dependent upon what Jesus done on the cross. The relationship between the Israelites and Almighty God was how they handled and what this ark represented because this is where they applied the blood that give them the grace for the year that for that relationship they had with them. This is how important that ark was. Uh, look in verse uh, chapter 6 and verse number 14. It says there, And the cart that the Philistines sent out, it came into the field of Joshua, a Benjamin, a, a Beth Shemite, and it stood there, and there was a great stone, and, and they accept, they recognized what it was. Skip way on down to verse 19. And he smote, and the he is God. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh, Beth Shemesh because they looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people 50,000 and threescore Ten men, and the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the, the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before the holy Lord God, and to whom shall he go, us, go up from us? Now, tell me this. Why did God smoke? Did y'all hear that number? 50,000? Why did God smoke 50,000 people? God says, listen, this part of the covenant that I have made with you, this part right here is holy. You do not treat it like a piece of furniture. You do not use it for anything else but what I have assigned it for. There is only a certain way that you carry it. There's only a certain way that you use it. There's only a certain way that you store it. And if you do that, you're stepping out of line. I want you to know it just infuriates me. When I hear someone today and they'll hit their thumb or they think they're doing good because they're not cussing, but they'll say, Jesus Christ, you might well, you have just taken God's name in vain. I want you to know Jesus Christ, and I do it all the time. Somebody will say, Oh my God. And I'll sit there, and then when they're doing it, and I... Brother Wayne, what are you doing? Oh, you just said, oh, my God, I thought we was fixing to pray. You was crying out to Almighty God. You weren't using His name in vain, were you? Let me tell you, God don't take His name lightly. We're not to misuse the name of Jesus Christ. You misused the ark right here? You go in there and look in something that you're not, God told you was holy? He put them to death because He told them. If you misuse it, if you touch it, 
it's holy, you will die. That's what the scripture said, wasn't it? So they are misusing, they misuse the ark. Now I want to get to I want to get to the end here in just a second. Look in chapter 7 of 1 Samuel. And the men, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. All right. They came and they fetched up the ark of the Lord and they brought into the house of Abinadad. Now, do y'all, where did the last time we read that name? Abinadad. That is where the ark is placed when David, over here in 2 Samuel, he goes and gets it. All right? That's where we see this. Okay, the Philistines. The Philistines, had, they have stolen the ark of God from the Israelites. Now the, the Philistines have sent it back. And now it has lit or stayed now in Abinadad or at Abinadad's place. That's where it's at. So now let's flip back over to 2 Samuel again where we're at. And look in verse number 12. Now, back up to verse number 11. All right, remember, we were talking about this a few minutes ago, and David feared God because, now, he had tried to take it to Jerusalem, and Uzziah touched it, and one man now has died because of that, and he was afraid now of the Lord. Verse 11, it says, And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obedim, and that's where he left it there for three months because he, he was scared to move it. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obedon and all that pertained unto him because of the ark of the Lord. So David went and he brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedon unto the city of David with gladness. Oh, now, it doesn't tell us any details, does it? Well, it doesn't tell us any details right here. But I want you to flip with me now to 1 Chronicles. 1 and 2 Kings, then 1 Chronicles, chapter 15. Now, what first, what, what the book of Solomon doesn't give us and fill in the details about David moving the ark, it does fill in the details here in the Chronicles, which is just another history of what's taking place with the Israelites. Notice what it says in chapter 15 and verse 1. And it says, And David made his houses in the city of David, talking about Jerusalem. He prepared a place for the ark of God, and he pitched it for a tent. We already talked about that. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. Is that what he said the first time he tried to do it? Nope. Hey, listen. Chronicles leaves out the first event where he put it on a new cart. When David came back the second time, I believe this is what David said. Man, when Uzziah was struck down, he said, Hey guys, go get the scriptures and tell me what I'm supposed to do to carry this ark the way, I'm, the way God wants it. So when we read here in, this, in the Chronicles, we see that David said and prepared a place for the ark. He said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. <laughs> he got it right that time. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. Do you see he's getting it right? 
Verse number 3, And David gathered all of Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord into his place, which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites and the son of Kohath. Do you remember that old boy name again? The Bible tells us way back there, he says, The Lord appointed the, the family there of the Levites, but the family in the Levites, Kohath. Only they are supposed to be the ones to carry the ark. He gathered there 120. Look down in verse 11. And David called for Zodath and Abathar the priest, and for the Levites, Uriah, uh, here's a bunch of names, verse number 12. And he said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel unto the place, for I have prepared for it. For because you did it not the, at the first, did you see that? For because you did it not at the first, because we didn't do it right the first time, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought Him not after the due order. We didn't do it right the first time. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel, and the children of the Levites bore the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves their own, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Now see, when we, we begin to look at some of these events, if, if we don't study, if we don't, have, if we don't know how to go and connect all of these dots in, in these stories that God has prepared for us, sometimes we miss something. All right, Brother Wayne, that was very interesting that you're talking about the ark. That's very interesting what you've told us about David. David wanted to do things right. This is the point that I want us to make tonight. I want you to know God was sincere when he told them this is the way it is. This is the way you should do it. This is how it is to be carried out. Listen, they lived under the law in those days. They had to do it precisely as God commanded them to do it. Today, we're living in the Gentile age. We're living in the age of grace. We read all through the book of Romans where God says that we no longer live under the law. The law was a covenant that God made with the Jews, not with us. The covenant that He made with us was a covenant of grace when Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. And this is what He tells us today. This is, listen... This is what he tells us today. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. Now, if you want to try to get to heaven any other way, it's not going to work. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, If we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and if we will believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, what? Thou shalt be saved. There's no other way. When we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'll have to read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what Paul tells them. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. 
which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherefore you stand, by which also you are saved, and the keeping and the memory of what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And then he says this. This is what I preached. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. When we believe that, it's not a head belief. We know in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, If we'll confess with our heart, our mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And He goes on to say, it's with the mouth confession is made, but with the heart we are redeemed. It's with the heart. It's a heart belief. It's something that completely and totally changes your life. I'm telling you, without that, there's no relationship with God. Period. End of subject. I didn't do it. God said it. Remember the scripture we said this morning? It says, the Bible says that wide is the way and broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Some people say, well, Brother Wayne, you're mighty narrow in your doctrine. The scripture says, but straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to life everlasting. You know why it's narrow? Because God says, I made one way. And that's my way. And that's through my son, Jesus Christ. How can we learn things from the Old Testament? God gave us a principle when he used David. And he said, David, this is the way it's done, and this is the only way it's done. If you don't, there's consequences. If we leave this world without Jesus Christ, there's consequences. And that is separation from God forever and ever in a place that the Bible refers to as hell. He also calls it the lake of fire. I'm telling you, there's, that's what the Scripture says. I don't mind being bold in what the Scripture says. But he, he gives us this example in the Old Testament. That we must, we must be obedient to the Word of God in order to have a relationship with Him. Praise God for His Word. He leaves nothing out. Everything that God expects and requires from you, He has put right here in the pages of His Word. I love that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And He says, when that which is perfect is come, then all of these things that are done in part will be done away with. The thing that he's talking about that is which is perfect has come. He says, listen, when the full word of God has come, you don't have to worry about anybody else showing up and saying, hey, I've got a brand new revelation from God. This is how you do it. He says, listen, I provided you with the perfect word of God. Everything you need is right here. All right? We need to take it and apply it to our lives. Whoo! Can I hear an amen? Oh, my goodness. Man, I love preaching to y'all. I'm telling you. All right. Anybody have a word tonight? Anybody want to share a testimony that they, how the Lord has worked with them this week? Anything? We're about to be dismissed. I want to, man, I tell you, we had a house.